Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and we got a great one for you today. Today, we hear a couple stories from Guy DePlanche. Guy's the host of Western Contours Podcast, if you're not familiar with him. He's a great hunter, great human being, and a great storyteller, despite himself keep saying that he isn't. Um, that being said, I'm going to just jump right into this thing. Um, we're going to let Guy tell you some stories. He's got two specifically for us. One, Catalina Island in California, which is super cool and unique. Uh, and then the other one about an experience that he had that, um, honestly, I didn't even think this, like, didn't even cross my mind that this would ever happen to anyone. So, Guy, thank you for sharing with us. Now, as always, let's let Guy go ahead and tell you his stories. All right, Guy. Welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast, sir. How you doing? Good, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor. Dude, I, I told you before the episode, and I, I say this every time, but I, I always start my episodes with, I told you before the episode. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of what you do, man. You've, uh, you're have you you're part of a group of podcasters that got me going and got me excited. And uh, I, I loved hearing you tell your stories as the season goes by, because you're kind of in and out of the woods throughout the season. And you always, you always got you know, some news to tell us. And I, you're, you're obviously a natural storyteller. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast, man. I appreciate it, brother, but I don't know how natural I am, especially when <laughs> I'm out of the element. <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoy uh, sharing the struggle part of it. Right. It, it that's kind of what makes us in my opinion uh, as hunters is those hardships on the mountain. And then there's yeah. times where I feel like we don't share enough of that human side of it. Um, so that, you know, it's really important to me to share those, to share those bits and pieces as I can, you know. I agree. Uh, I agree. So yeah, no, I'm not good enough to have too many successes, so I have to share my struggles. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know that. Share. Well, that's, see, that's the problem, right, <laughs> is is the highlight reels make us think that everybody's good enough to share all the successes, right? But what, oh, yeah. what comes along the path before those is a ton of freaking failure, bro. And that's yeah, the- uh, that's so true. That is so true. So I have uh, Casey McAllister on, on the episode right before this one. It's, it's not released yet, but it will be when this one comes out. And he was telling me that like the the hunts that we remember typically are the ones where there's failure or there's something funny, but it doesn't usually involve success. Those are the stories that really stick with us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was thinking, as you said that, I've had multiple people comment on my podcast as far as like reviews and things saying, I love hearing these stories. I love hearing people not just dropping 400 inch bulls and, you know, giant whitetails and all this stuff. It's, it's nice to stay away from the Snyders and the Haynes and these guys, which nothing against those guys. They're monsters. I'm, I'm, that's what I hope to be someday. Probably not, but I think the listeners really appreciate the, the real, right. The, mm-hmm. the stories of oops, that sucked. Well, everybody can't be, I mean, you know, you're talking about exceptional guys, right? I mean, everybody's not going to be a Snyder and everybody's not going to be a Haynes. Um, And for whatever reason, right? Maybe that's our own detriment and we don't, you know, put that effort in. I don't know that Snyder puts in any effort. He's just, he's always, that dude has always been a killer, right? I mean, I remember seeing him way back when, and that dude was a killer. I think some guys just have got innate ability. Yeah. They're, they're in tune with everything they need to be in tune with out there. So. That dude is, yeah. uh, he's beyond exceptional. Yeah, those guys are amazing. But uh, I think that what we're doing here, telling our stories the, for for you, the above average hunter, and me, the below average hunter, <laughs> sharing average. what we can, I think people appreciate that. I wouldn't but, even say I'm average at best, bro. I just don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, there's something to that. That's probably yeah. the biggest part of the equation. 
Uh, but let's do this real quick. Let's uh, let's introduce you to the people that maybe don't already know Guy, and I'm going to hopefully get this right, Duplantier. That's close enough, my brother. Oh. <laughs> it's that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty good to be pretty GD okay. close. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, introduce yourself. So Guy Duplantier, uh, you know, Western Slope of Colorado nowadays, uh, originally from uh, the far west United States. <laughs> I don't want to claim state that, that shall not be state. Or yeah. The state well, there's a few of those. Hey, there's a few going on now, bro. Basically um, the whole coast now, right? Yeah, it's bad. But well, that, yeah, I digress. Um, I fancy myself a hunter, man. I, I, you know, elk is my gig. I kill more mule deer than I kill elk. Um, but I just, I love everything about hunting. I love everything about, you know, what we do, spending time outdoors. You know, we kind of touched on the failure part of it. It's just what drives me. It's what made me. It's what makes me every time I hit the woods, man. Um, I don't know what else to say besides that. You know, it's made me a better man, a better father, a better husband. Um, I just, I just love everything about it. You know, the trial, the tribulation, spending time in God's country and, you know, being able to talk to myself and work things out with myself and, the man upstairs is just nothing like it. Never experienced anything like it. Never will. That's awesome. Um, that that's a, that's a beautiful background, man. I love it. But let's also tell the people a little bit about what you do. Like I obviously know you from your podcast. Yep. So let's talk maybe a little bit about that. I know you're also maybe I don't know if this is the right term, but kind of an adopted son of the Elk Bros. You're an Elk coach. Uh, so from yeah, the Elk Bros Squad. So let's talk about that a little bit. All right. So yeah, you know me and Joe. I'm going to brag a little bit. So when Joe and the boys were, you know, thinking about podcasts and Joe was listening to me, um, which shocked the living bejesus out of me, man, I'm just a dude. And uh, it kind of spawned from there, right? He reached out and, you know, we had some conversations, Joe and I recorded for my podcast right at the inception of Elk Bros. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it just spawned a a really, really good friendship, man. Uh, Me and Joe hit it off. It's like, the brother I never knew I had. Um, and he knows how passionate I am about elk and the the yeah. effort that I put into it and uh, asked me to come on this year as a coach and wasn't no way I was saying no. Um, yeah. No, you don't say no to Joe Julia. Yeah. He's no, you do. There's character. things you say no to. Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask Manano and, and uh, Gilbert and uh, the other uh, mafia leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and Luis, they'll tell you that's there's an appropriate time to tell Joe Gillia no. <laughs> that dude is <laughs> he's all he's all throttle, bro. No break. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to Joe today just a little bit. He was uh reminding me of some things that I need to do on podcasting. The guy, the guy cares. That's what I'll say. Is he's he's looking out for everybody in his circles. So he's he's a good dude. Joe, Joe's an interesting cat, man, because he if he has something that he thinks is going to help you, he's going to share it with you. And, you know, if you're doing something to your own detriment, he's going to share that with you too, right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, in, in your perspective in the moment. Um, one of the best dudes I've ever known, you know, yeah. in, in my 48 years it. on this earth. He just, he's just a genuine human being, man. What you see yeah. is what you get. And that's, I believe it. That's believe one it. of the I reasons see. I couldn't say no to, you know, the opportunity and, and honor to go and, you know, be a part of that team and go down and, you know, coach some guys this season and, and spend time in camp with those boys. It was just freaking phenomenal, man. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm hoping uh, I know that like you guys, there's some some uh, the hunt wars 
stuff that they do. And then there's also people that can like actually like kind of pay for a coach. And I'm hoping if I'd go elk hunting this year, which the only reason I wouldn't is if I might be lining up a moose hunt this year. Um, and so unless the moose hunt gets in the way, I'm, I'm thinking I might try and come down and get coached out by you boys. Cause I need a lot of help. <laughs> uh, okay. Like I hear you on the moose thing, but elk always takes the priority. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> It's whoppity or it's whoppity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything else is secondary. I believe it. I'll, I'll say that except for one caveat, which I do have two little kids. So I've got, a, a, you know, I got a three-year-old, almost four and a one-year-old. So I've got, a, they go, they come first and then elk hunting there and whatever the, the wife gives me. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get more and more time as they get a little bit older. But right now it's, it's a big ask to say, Hey, honey, you know, would you watch the, you know, these two little midgets here for 21 days? So, you know, the, the, Plus about elk season, man, is it really can be a family outing, you know? I mean, you go up into one of these units that it's not terrible country and you can set up a nice camp, you know, and have a wall tent, man, and the whole family can enjoy it. And you can hunt in the hunt in the morning and hunt in the evening, spend the day with the kids. Yeah. You know, it really yeah. is. Uh, it really is something that you can get out and everybody can enjoy. You know, my yeah, wife absolutely. started going out with me two years ago. And she absolutely fell in love with it, you know, and I couldn't, I mean, for 20 some odd years, I couldn't get her in the woods to save my life. And, uh, that, that first year I was at camp and there was one rock we could stand on literally this big and you stand on this rock and you had service. It was the weirdest thing. And I text her, <laughs> I think I was out for like 12 or 13 days at that point. And I was like, Hey, you want to come? And she's like, what do you, how the heck am I going to get there? I told her, you know, find a, 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 a flight, excuse me into Montrose. I'll leave the mountain, pick you up. We'll come back up. And uh, man, it was the best seven days on the mountain. And she's, bet, she's in it. She calls for me now. The The following oh, yeah. year she was calling. <laughs> yeah. This year she could make it with our move. Unfortunately, um, you know, new gigs and whatnot. And, um, but I mean, hundred yards behind the house, we're watching them walk down the hill and she runs outside before me most times to, to get eyes on them. So it's pretty cool. That is awesome, man. Have you seen, uh, the, the pack them out boys? Uh, yeah, Jeff, my boys, yeah. Jeff and Ephraim. That's my boy. Yeah, but man. have you seen his uh, the video where he takes his two five year olds? They're five year olds at the time out, and they actually call in a bull. Yeah, have you seen that video? Yeah, that's amazing, man. It's amazing. It. I will. I do plan on taking them out. I just don't think my uh, my son yet has the patience. They so never do. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> well, see, but th but that, in my opinion, that's the problem, right? Is is that we have an expectation of how they should behave instead of just understanding that we're exposing them to something on their terms and not ours. Right. Yeah. So if, you know, I take my boy out and sometimes it would last six hours and sometimes it would last an hour and a half if I was lucky, but it was the fact that I was willing to put him first. And, and to this day, I mean, he's 20 years old going to college, um, almost 20, um, going to college, doing his thing, but that's, that's memories, man, you know, and he appreciates the time. I think sometimes we force our kids into things and, you know, we want them to see it through our eyes and we don't let them determine what that adventure is for them. Right. Yeah. So then they're out there trying to please us. And, you know, we're still on our mission to punch that tag and we forget, you know, that that's valuable time. And man, I'll tell you what, you don't have much of it with them because it's a blink of an eye. And, you know, those times are, they're dwindled, they're gone. So my, my opinion to like it it. is, yeah, is, you know, take three years old, five years old, take them. If it lasts you 45 minutes, you put a, you know, the better foot forward and you're starting to show them early what it is.
you know, yeah. and then they'll understand it as they grow up. I, just my opinion. People wait and you know, think it's all got to be perfect and F a tag. Yeah, that's I like that. I like that. I think you just got my son hunting maybe a couple of years early. Yeah. <laughs> so and thanks, then guys. the thing is, is so when, when my boy started going, you know, we would drive down to Texas and I think his first hunt, he was, it was between five and seven. He was either five years old or seven years okay. old, the first hunt and uh, found a property that didn't mind him hunting. And he had been on this little Henry 22 single shot for, since he was probably four years old. You know, and we go pop, you know, 40, 50 rounds at the range on that little 22. And by the time he was, you know, able to go down to Texas, man, he was whacking deer left and right, dude. Um, wow, that's he, cool. He appreciated it, right? I mean, I look back on those pictures. Matter of fact, I just saw those pictures the other day going through one of the boxes. And I was just like, man, I'm glad I did that when I did it. If not, I would have had to wait till he was 12 years old to have those experiences, right? I got, you know, five, six years of extra experience in the outdoors doing what I love and experiencing with him and introducing it to him early. So. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I, uh, I was planning on taking my son out on an antelope hunt here pretty soon because mm -hmm. it's basically, you know, you're driving around in the car looking for antelope and then you, you, you know, you make your stock. So I think that he could hang out in the truck with dad um, and dad's hunting buddy. So I think that's where I was going to start, but I am moving to Texas. So maybe I'll get him in a blind and, and start shooting with him. Cause the block, actually the blind is harder because is now it? you're asking him to be quiet, be still. Right. And he's there, you know, look, kids are restless, man. So I think yeah, the truck, that's, that's a good idea. That's true. That's true. Well, man, we got off topic, but that's all right. This is good stuff. This is uh, stuff that I'm going to remember for a long time guy. Yeah. Um, but let's, uh, let's let's jump into what we came here for let's hear some hunting stories so i don't know if you have any in mind but why don't you set the stage you know where are you what uh what are you hunting for and we'll go from there i'm gonna tell a harsh one my first elk hunt 20 2018 so i've been hunting pigs and mule deer and blacktail and turkey and i had friends that were like man you, you know come out on this colorado elk hunt come out on this and they were you know, primarily rifle hunting. And, uh, I love to rifle hunt mule deer. That's, you know, love it, love it, love it. Um, but my, my first love is archery. So I just put it off. I never, you know, six years, I think it was where they were asking me and I just never, never did it. I applied for elk, um, yeah. in, in Cali and there it's a once in a lifetime gig, right? So you just apply, you don't get it. Okay. It's, you know, it's mule deer and pigs this year, you know, again, um, and I don't know really what flipped the switch, but I remember telling my wife, I'm going elk hunting. And I, I want to say that was probably January of, of 2018. I'm going elk hunting this year. So did a little homework, um, got on some forums, trying to figure out where I could go, how to get in. And initially it was either Oregon or Colorado. And I'm not sure how I came up with that. Um, and I think that was just me asking people in forums where the easiest place was and then I started talking <laughs> to this dude and he said, look, man, you know, cool that you're getting, you know, your first, your first elk hunt in. Um, why don't you apply to Wyoming with us? We got uh, four guys. We got plenty of points. I didn't have any points anywhere for elk outside of California. And I was like, man, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, dude, you know, you've been really respectful, you know, in this forum, blah, 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 blah. And people ask, you know, deer questions or whatever. And that's, you know. I'll say it's my gig air quotes. Um, 
So I applied with him. I got lucky and I got in and he was like, you're more than welcome to come hunt with us. And, uh, they were going guided and I didn't, I didn't feel right at the time spending that level of money to go on a guided hunt. So, you know, I, uh, I looked at it, considered it, told him I couldn't do it financially. Um, and decided to figure out how to strike out on my own. Um, I'm not sure if you know, <laughs> Wyoming is a, uh, non-resident no-go if you're in a wilderness area. So it kind of doesn't limit you, but it limits you. Right. So I had to figure yeah. out how I was going to hunt, um, in these areas that weren't wilderness areas. And I didn't know diddly dude. I think I was elk 101 and elk nut app from like call it January 1, 2018. That's that's the only information I had. And uh reading books and anything I could find, you know, about elk. Um struck out to Wyoming. That was like I want to say September 21st, 2018. And I mean, you want to talk about pump dude, I loaded the Jeep, packed, you know, everything probably I packed way too much crap, right? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> um i'm, I'm know, still I, figuring that out I, every time i go hunting i'm like why did i bring this shit like yeah i mean truck's full and half the shit i never touch yeah i mean i i had the full base camp in the back of a of a wrangler just crammed in thank god it was four door um and kind of had the base camp thing you know in mind and uh man i just set out for wyoming and i 18 hours later i hit uh evanston and i was gonna hunt north uh northeast of Evanston. I found an area. I liked the landscape. It looked like it was easy to get into. And I pull up to this little drive-in motel and I walk in the lobby. And as soon as I walk in, there's this, I don't know, nine, nine and a half foot mount of a grizz standing there. And I looked at that <laughs> thing and I was just like, God dang, that's a big old bear. And, and do grizzlies, like I've dealt with cats my entire hunting career. I don't, the lions don't bother me. I could deal with them. I could deal with, you know, black bear. I saw that grizzly mountain dude and I was like, holy crap. And, uh, went, did my check-in or whatever. And I asked the lady, where, where did that come from? And she goes, oh, it's about 35 minutes north of here. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought the grizzlies were way <laughs> further north than, than what you're telling me. So I get on the map and she kind of, you know, ah, I think it was about right here. And I'm like, oh, hell no. No, thank <laughs> you. Right. I'm not, dude, I'm not messing with them. So it kind of thwarted my plans. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm I'm being pretty chicken shit at this point. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going in Grizz country by myself. Right. And I wasn't prepared with a firearm. You know, I carry a little 40 cal and I'm like, that ain't grizzly gun. So the next day. I just started looking at, you know, pull up Onyx and I'm going through the map and I'm like, where the hell am I going to hunt? Cause I'm staying away from that grizzly. And I didn't want to drive another six, seven hours to get somewhere else. Um, and you know, you look at that Southwest portion of the state and I mean, it's just checkerboard BLM private BLM private. And, uh, it's just having a hard time man. and went into a little tavern there and, uh, was just, you know, shooting shit with somebody and, one of the guys, you know, heard me talking the same story and he goes, Hey man, you know, I just, uh, killed my elk and my dad killed his elk. If you need some help, you know, where are you looking? And I showed him, he goes, Oh, you know, I'll be happy to come with you. And I'm like, serious. And he's like, yeah, dude, I'll, yeah. You know, I'll help you out. So that was cool. Um, 
struck out with bugs. That was uh, the next next day we met up, probably, I don't know, 7 or 8 a.m. at a Walmart and then made about a 45-minute hour drive and got to this little walk-in access and kind of scope out the area, set camp. And, I mean, as soon as we're setting camp, dude, I mean, bulls are bugling, right? And, and I didn't realize how enamored I was with them already, right? I mean, you're talking, you know, eight months of just delving into them, no information prior to that, uh, and just falling in love with the animal and then just open the door, boots hit the ground, and hear bulls just bugling everywhere. It was just, I have that video still, dude, and I was literally just trembling like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. This is it. As the mafia so, would say, the vitalakis, right? Oh, dude. You know that's not a real word. <laughs> Screw them. I guys, do know, man. I do know that's not a real word. <laughs> <laughs> they embarrassed me with that damn word. I thought I I was talking to some guys at work. <laughs> talking to some guys at work. They're like, you know, tell us basically tell us about hunting. So I'm a civil, a heavy civil uh superintendent. So I I would bring, you know, venison and whatnot and you know, barbecue for the guys, making burgers and you know, the guys want to hear the stories, the hunting stories, uh, shameless pun or plug there. And uh, I go, yeah, man, you know, you get up there and you get the Vitalakis and they're like looking at me like, you know, like, what the hell's that? what's the Vitalakis? And one of them goes, what's the Vitalakis? And I'm like, you know, Vitalakis. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you know, everybody yeah. knows. And then uh, the foreman that was working for me, he goes, you think that that's a, a, a Spanish word? And I was like, isn't it? He was like. I don't even never even heard that word. And I was like, what the hell? And I told Joe, and Joe told me, he said, Man, that's a that's a made-up word. Like, like you sons <laughs> of bitches. <laughs> it was the funniest thing, though. I was so embarrassed. But uh anywho, um, yeah, man. So I'm you know, I'm trembling. I'm like, dude, it's it, this is a go. And set up camp, you know how it is. By the time you set up camp, 18-hour drive, driving around all day, it was like, all right, first thing in the morning, we're after him. Um we get to our little, you know, walking point and uh, do we walk in at dark and sun's breaking and bulls start bugling and uh, we set up and I'm going to say that bull was probably about 400 yards away when he started talking. And I mean, he's screaming at us, screaming at us, screaming at us. And it's just Were soft you calling cow to him calls. or was he just on his own? He was on his own, but, but I started cow call. If you can call okay. a cow call into him. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> mewing and and then bugs. He had never called for anybody, and then he's on an external and he's just buzzing away and calling. And this bull is just, you know, you can hear him coming in. He's coming quick and he's like, he's on one. And uh it's about it's 722. This bull is on top of us. He's when I first see him, he's like 57 yards away, and then the next second, he's 22 yards away, and he's just staring at us. We are there's there's three little aspens and we're in the wide the wide ass open bugs are standing two <laughs> foot off my shoulder in front of me behind a tree like this like there's a bull there i just called the bull in for you <laughs> <laughs> and uh the bull's looking i mean it was you know knowing what i know now it was it was so stupid dude it was like beginner's luck times infinity Right. Like yeah. there's no reason that bull should have even, you know, stood there for longer than five seconds. And, uh, you know, he comes in and he, he looks, doesn't see anything. And I mean, he's dude at this point, he's like 22 yards and, and he's still. <laughs> and we're the wide open his one Aspen. <laughs> yeah. And the bull's looking at us like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, 
I when he had come in, he had he kind of come in broadside, and as soon as his eyes got behind the aspen, dude, I just drew, and I held that bow back, man. I didn't have a shot. I held that bow back for somewhere in the neighborhood of two minutes, two plus minutes. And uh, the bull was at 22. He came into about 18 and then he finally kind of presented a shot in between two Aspens, you know, at, at 18 or so yards. And I just loosed the arrow, man. It pinwheeled him. Um, he boogered, he boogered off to my, uh, to my three o'clock and kind of was sitting at about 47 yards. I want, you know, knocked another arrow and uh, no shot, man. And I mean, you want to talk about, you know, vitilockies and respirations in that video, you could just see my chest just boom, boom, just breathing like crazy. And it was just celebratory, right? Like he's, he was smoke, bro. Just yeah. perfect shot. And are you uh, videoing yourself or is bug? Yeah, no, I was, I was self filming it and uh, <laughs> perfect shot. He gets, I don't have another shot. He finally goes, okay, something's not right. And then he just kind of hooks back and goes to my one o'clock. So he came in from, you know, basically my 10 o'clock. Now he's leaving at my one o'clock. <clears throat> so we decided, you know, give it a few, make sure he was, you know, he was, he was out and uh, we'll go grab my arrow. And I don't know, 35, 40 minutes or so. And then maybe that's double the time. You know how it goes when you're out there waiting yeah. and um, walk up. Don't find, never found my arrow. We looked for my arrow, couldn't find it. So we just, you know, started marking blood and uh, trail the blood, dude. Excellent blood trail. I mean, just dripping. Both sides were just pouring, pouring, pouring. And it was like, oh, this dude is dead, you know? And we yeah. get, I don't know, we get about 70, 80 yards. And then it's just drip, drip, oh, no. drip, oh, no. you know, another 60 yards. Then you could see he stopped. He's bleeding from both sides, but it's it's just the the blood pools on the sides are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, we we keep going. We're kind of split up, kind of grid in the area. And uh, it was to the point where it was like, you know, you were lucky to find a, a quarter inch splatter of blood. And right at the last little spot we found, he dropped down into this drainage. And at about 50, 60 yards down, it's just heavy, heavy willows. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, a pain in the butt, you know, but I'm still, I'm still of the mindset of I, I pinwheeled that animal, right? Yeah. Not tripping, Um, you know, clean pass through shooting an iron wheel. So I was pretty confident. And uh, as we dropped down towards these willows, man, you know, the blood dried up and I'm like, okay, you know, kind of high, maybe back of the lungs, uh, downhill. It's, you know, I'm not getting much blood. So we drop and we're looking all through these willows. And I hear this just crazy, just guttural scream of a bull. So we back up and we look and there's, a, I mean, this dude's seven by eight, dude. He was a 400 plus bull. Easy, easy. And he has about a baker dozen cows on the other side. And uh, I mean, just screaming. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, this bull was he was a monster. Um, so everything said that he's, you know, my bull was not going to be over there messing with that bull um, with what was going on. I don't know why that's what, you know, it told me. So we, you know, instead of going one o'clock, we continued to go, you know, down this drainage, start looking in and around these willows. Nothing's really broke up for him to bolt through. 
well, now we're in this, this drainage. We come down our ridge. There's a ridge across from us. The top of that ridge is 50 yards from private. And then now to my nine o'clock. Yeah, to my nine o'clock, maybe 200 yards, 250 yards is a private fence line um, that's kind of running that entire that entire uh, south side of us. And um, we just, we went up the ridge, dude, continue to look, continue to look, continue to look. I mean, we looked. That was 722. I shot him less than an hour. It was 9.30, 10 o'clock at night before we kind of gave up the search for that night. Um, decided, you know, call it, we'll get out of here, come back in the morning. And uh, first thing the next morning, man, I didn't sleep a wink that night, dude. Like, I bet, man, I bet. You know, first elk hunt, and I'm, I'm just beating myself up. Like, what did you do? And I had the video, and I watched the video over and over, put on the laptop. It's like, man, it's a good shot. Yeah, it's a little high, um, a little further back than I was wanting. As I when I drew back, because I didn't have the shot, I had to step over a foot or so to the uh, to my uh, right side. And I'm making excuses right now, by the way. <laughs> and you know, I'm st I'm anchored and I'm still in you know still on my pin with my pin settled on the bull as I'm moving. And then as soon as I stop moving, I sent it there's that's my excuse folks um <laughs> but even you know watching the video over and over, i mean you're talking two hours of us just examining the video just over and over and it's like it's still a good shot that bull's gonna die so there was a little bit of hope in the situation um we get up the next morning man and pack out and uh get back into the area you know we waited for light to come up of course and we didn't want to bump him just in the uh the chance that uh he was still up on his feet or able to move so we waited for light, walk in, get back on where we were, where we had blood. And instead of going down and across, we kind of looped back around. I knew where we shot him at. We knew where he come from. I had everything marked. We marked all the blood on Onyx. And uh, I said, well, let's go opposite ridge. And what we ended up doing was just sitting on the opposite ridge and just listening. And we got a couple calls and it's like, man, that kind of sounds like that bull. So we call, we had a couple bulls come in. It was like, not that one, not that one. There was one that come in and uh, he just didn't have any blood or anything on him. Um, so it was like, man, I, I didn't know rack wise if that was him, um, but there was no blood. So we let him walk and uh, we're sitting there and we're eating. And we look up and a couple magpies fly out of the, uh, opposite ridge where we were you know where we had sent the shot so i'm like oh crap man let's get over there so we boogered over we dropped down and just kind of scooched to the south a bit you know kind of in line with the magpies and i started looking for blood bugs kind of looped uh, along that fence line to the south and started walking up that well then i come across a log and i look down and i'm like oh crap i mean a splatter of blood maybe half inch right he's going back uphill yeah. and uh getting on my hands and knees and i'm like all right i got blood and i'm following it up and he goes i found the elk and i was like just sigh of relief dude i couldn't believe it it was I just bet. i bet it was just like oh thank you god you know and uh dude i book it up the hill and i'm like where you at and he yells to me and when i break the top and I see him, the look on his face wasn't good. I'm like, oh, damn, you know, coyotes or bears got to him or something. And I get up to him and he just shook his head and started pulling branches. 
and I'm looking and there's a carcass laying there totally stripped down nothing left to it totally stripped dude horrible horrible butcher job I mean the amount of meat that was left on that animal um and when I say he was under branches cut branches so we're looking around like what in the hell right I'm like well let's figure out if this is even the bull so you know we grab the pelt we kind of pull the pelt over and we roll them and uh man the the bottom side was pretty much all meat still the quarters were gone um but i'm like dude you know i grabbed one of my broadheads out found the hole and i'm like this is it so the bull looped from where he came from he did a big circle drop to the drainage he went about mid slope and then started going back up he basically went to where he was probably bedded when we first heard him and he went yeah. and he died in that bed um so bugs you know i'm bummed dude i'm standing over him i'm like you know i'm damn near in tears like just beat man just the most defeat i've ever felt in my life and then uh, bugs goes we got horse tracks and i'm like what so we follow these horse tracks and i, I have no idea how how someone would have seen us I mean, it's pretty thick Aspen Grove kind of mixed, um, but two horse tracks walk up right along the fence line. They stop where that bull was. Um, you can see the horses moving, you know, just kind of back and forth in that area. Yeah. But yeah, the, the bull was pretty much poached out, man. And, uh, you know, nothing we could do about it. And uh, I had the horrible decision to make whether or not I was going to stay and hunt and find another bull which was well within you know the right at that point and yeah or, a lot of money invested it's a yeah. it's a tough decision man oh dude it was a rough one bro um and it took me took me i think about a day and i just milled around camp and beat myself up and took pictures of deer and elk and beat myself up some more and shot the bow and beat myself up some more and i was sitting there's a little creek right there and i was sitting there and uh i was like i'm done you know, like I'm done that, that no matter if I went and, you know, if I could have got to that, that big seven by eight, he was on private by the way. Um, so I couldn't, but it, you I, know, assume, even, I assume that the poachers took the head as well. Right. They took the animals. Oh, it was gone, dude. It was yeah. gone. You know, um, if, if it was full of magpie crap or super decayed or the, <laughs> The holes weren't exactly where we put it on, you know, where I put it on that bull. And I mean, it was just, it was just brutal, man. Just a brutal experience. Yeah. And you guys sitting there and kind of recorded a little video, like, you know, like this, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I just, I, I made the, the, it was a tough call, right? Today, to this day, that was probably one of the hardest experiences and, and hardest decisions I've had to make as a hunter. Um, packed up when i made the decision dude i think i was packed in an hour you know it's like four hours to set up a camp that elaborate packed up in an hour and i was out dude i was on the way home and uh god dang you want to talk about a long drive um but it's in your head the whole time that's brutal yeah yeah, because you're sitting or anything like that what are you gonna do you You know what i mean like the, the hardest part the hardest part for me was as a hunter, I know what it takes to put an animal on the ground with archery equipment, right? And for somebody to go in and 
do that and take the rack. Like I, I, I would almost understand just taking the meat and leaving the head. Right. But you're going to take the rack. Yeah. That rack is going to sit on a barn or in a barn or on somebody's wall. It's like, what story are you going to tell about that? You're going to tell about, we found a bull dead and we took him. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or are you going to, yeah. you know what I'm it's like, what the hell? And that was part of it for me. It was, it was kind of a, I was so disappointed that somebody would do that. I hadn't experienced anything like that. Right. I mean, you hear that stuff, but it's, you know, one in, I don't know, one in a hundred thousand or something. And it was just, I didn't understand it. I, I, to this day, I don't understand it. I, I get it to a point, however that sounds, but I didn't and don't understand how you could do that when you understand the effort that another guy or gal puts in to get out in the woods and do this um with archery equipment with a muzzle loader with a rifle whatever it is right so it was just it's just a brutal it's a brutal eye opener um for what you're up against in the woods man and but i i look back on that situation now and it's kind of what helps spawn my desire and passion to be that elk hunter right the kind of elk hunter that knows when that arrow is sent that that bull's 30 to 40 yards from death right yeah. a, a clean kill and I, I guess i took it for granted to a point hunting pigs and, and deer i ain't never missed and i ain't never not recovered an animal and packed that animal out or you know drug them to the truck if if you know if it yeah. presented itself that easy and it was just like it just turned it flipped a switch in me man it was like okay i'll go now and i ain't looked back since and i kind of i hate the situation i hate that it happened but in retrospect i'm glad that it did because i found something that's completely enamored me um yeah completely changed, changed your life, the, man. Yeah, yeah it changed it changed the way i view um our pursuit in the woods man it made it more valuable to me as odd as that may sound let me ask you. So you, I know you. You said you shot at seven p.m. Is that right? Seven twenty-two a.m. A.m. Okay, and you searched until nine p.m. So you yes. searched all damn day. All day. You dude. think that those boys were there that night? Because you were. I'm assuming there the next morning in dark at dark, right? Yeah, or we well, we didn't we didn't go in until after sunup because I didn't want to go in and have the chance gotcha. of bumping that bull. So we did wait a little while and we may have been in, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes before or right after sunrise. Man. So I don't, I just, I just have to imagine that those boys, whoever, you know, whatever, I'm just going to use the word, fucking assholes. Yeah. There you go. Saw, saw you boys looking around, didn't make any effort and just like, Hey, if they come here, great. And then you guys turned around and they probably just cut it up that night and ran out. That's kind of what. We so so the next when we went back looking, Bugs had brought his parents. He called his dad and said, Hey, can you come help us? So his mom and dad came out and uh helped us. And then once, you know, once we were able to find the carcass, that's you know, his dad's been hunting there and he goes, Man, this, you know, they got this last night was his opinion of it. Yeah. Um, and you look at it and it was just like they covered it up, like what yeah, cut branches, dude, cut branches and covered it up, which is not an uncommon practice. Um for for folks to do especially like you know if they're hunting private land i've seen now public i've never seen that right you just you do your deal with your carcass and you know let yeah. let mother nature take what uh what you can't take and use huh. so it was kind of an odd thing but you know seeing seeing the two horses uh 
prince walking up to it along that fence line and and i mean honestly we could see where they came in and out you know we knew which property they came from um but what do you do you know you, you know. how do you how do you even call know. that you know it, it was a rough yeah. one dude it was a hard a hard lesson and it was interesting kind of an you odd did, one to you start did follow off the horse tracks though right you did follow oh the yeah we followed right, them right to the property line we followed them all they were there so right off of that uh that uh three strand fence there's uh i don't know maybe it was about 250 300 yards shit you're asking me to remember 2018 somewhere in there yeah just up the fence line there's a clearing next to the fence that's probably eight nine feet wide um just walk right up to it there's you know you get up to that road um basically where the walk-in stops and you couldn't get on that property with the walk-in and they came right in and out of that gate there so who knows, you know, if they saw it or if it was well, a bull that, that, you know, who knows, man, they may have been selling hunts on that property. And, you know, that was a bull that was frequent in that property. And, you know, dudes get pissed about that stuff, right? You're hunting that close to close to private. Some folks don't like it. You know, it's just a sad yeah. truth about it, but um, just unfortunate, man. But, you know, like I say, in retrospect, it was probably one of the best experiences i had for the for the enlightenment that that is a real a real thing right it does happen um you yeah. know few and far between i would hope but it does happen but it really really spawned you know my passion for elk man and just made me drive even harder um, yeah it was what know, i'll say downhill man, from is, there <laughs> i'll say that uh you know i'm a newer hunter but even newer archery hunter and like really the, the experience that I'm looking for is what you got. So I'm glad that you got to experience that. I mean, granted, we all want to come home with meat and we definitely, you know, and then past that, like having antlers, hell yeah. Like I'd yeah. love to have that. So every time somebody <laughs> sees those things, you can tell them this story. Mm -hmm. uh, but like really the experience of hunting is up to shooting that arrow. Right. Um, well, that's not true. the pack out too, but we, we won't go there either way. Uh, that's cool. I, I think that, you know, it's obviously a, a terrible thing that happened. And I can't believe that, you know, another hunter would do that to you. But I think that you got that, that adrenaline, that, uh, that moment of Zen, right? The, when you, when you put that elk down, when you knew you hit that shot. Um, and I think that's what a lot of us are looking for. So I'm glad you at least got to that point yeah. um, on your first archery hunt, man. But that's a, that's a crazy story. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, it was a trip, dude. It was, uh, I have that video on my, I don't spend much time on my YouTube and the video is kind of crappy. It's fairly old, you know, kind of first edit attempt, but it's on my YouTube, Western Contours. You could check it out. Um, yeah. the I'll fun link the, in the show notes. Yeah. The fun, the fun part about it is watching me breathe. <laughs> and uh, when I'm in that freaking, you know, two minute draw, it's funnier than crap to me to kind of look back on that and go, oh, man, I was pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, like I said, man, it's, that's what that's what made my elk hunting journey what it is today. And I don't, you know, as much as it yeah. sucks, I don't look back on it with any kind of despite or anything like that you know and and just for the record those dudes weren't hunters i that, i'm gonna put that in there I, I don't consider a jackass that'll do that uh a hunter that's a good point that's a real good point you know it's probably so if it was coming from private it's probably possible it's just like some hired hand that was like oh look there's some meat let's go get some yeah. for ourselves somebody yeah. that oh they like, didn't find it yeah yeah 
Yeah. Who knows? What well, that sucks, man. You got any, you got any fun stories or positive? Ah, ones? that <laughs> one's a Debbie Downer, huh? Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great story because it, 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 it like inspired you to be who you are, but you got any, what else you got? Catalina Island, bro. That, so you want to talk about the, the, it's funny. Catalina wine know. mixer. Let's go. Yeah, man. So, um, when did I first go to Catalina? She's. What do you hunt on? 2018, dude. Yeah, that was the same year. It was the same year. I got a call. I got a call from uh CEO of the company I was working for. The president calls me and he goes, Hey, um, you want to go hunt mule deer on Catalina? And I'm like, what? And he goes, You want to hunt mule deer on Catalina? I go, is that a fucking real question? Hell yes, I want to hunt. <laughs> so, you know, you at Catalina Catalina Island sits about 26 miles off the California coast. Okay. And then I think from end to end, West end to East end is like 24 miles across. Okay. And for years you could hunt Catalina on a OTC tag um, for years and years. Then it went draw. And then it went to, you have to go through the guide service who guides via the Catalina Island conservancy. Um, and it was like the Catalina wine mixture. Like if you didn't have, you know, five to seven grand to spend on a three-day hunt you weren't going um so is it let me real quick is that is this like uh it sounds to me like it's public land it's a public land it's public land but it but the hunt is run through the conservancy so okay. and do they have any idea how mule deer got onto an island 26 miles off the coast of california so they took and if i get the number wrong please forgive me if i remember correctly they took 13 deer from mule deer from angeles national forest and they took three from somewhere up the central coast and they let them go and the deer just did what they do there there's no natural predators of them right the only um predator on the island would have been uh the island catalina island fox and it's probably the size of a chihuahua so these things (laughs) were just able to just run rampant um, on the island, they had they used to have goats. They used to have boar. They still have buffalo there. Um, no way, the buffalo on Catalina Island. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> um, so back in the day, right? I wanted to go to Catalina. I wanted to hunt cat, and it was I believe that was uh, D fifteen hunt, and you just couldn't do it, right? You couldn't get on it. Everybody wants to hunt cat, and anyway, this opportunity came up, and it was just like back, just back from Wyoming. And two weeks later, I'm on Catalina Island, dude. That's like, awesome. That's good karma, right? For putting yeah, in, the, there putting it in is. what you put in in Wyoming. And never looked at it that way. Um, so phenomenal, right? I mean, you're sitting on, you know, the top peak is like 2,700 feet, and you're surrounded by the Pacific Ocean. And I mean, amazing sunrise, amazing sunset. And there are freaking mule deer. I don't know if you could see behind me. Let me see. Uh, let's see that that euro is a cat buck yeah i think let me see there it is that's i think that's a cat buck that's definitely a catalina island buck that's the last buck i shot there um i have a couple more that are with the taxidermist um that i took off the island so so you shot uh, you've been hunting catalina a lot then so let me ask you this yeah how, how, so obviously this has something to do with the CEO. Like what is his connection? How did he get this tag? If it's, if it's so hard to get, he didn't. So he had uh, a friend of his, one of his best friends, um, 
Dennis, uh, shout out to Dennis, my boy, um, wanted to take Jamie and Jamie was like, you know, I appreciate it. My wife would kill me, but I got a guy that you should take on this hunt. And, uh, I wasn't turning that down, bro. No. Yeah. So link up with Dennis and Dennis, uh, owns a company concrete coring. And, you know, he's one of our business partners in the industry and, um, linked up with Dennis, man. And we went out on this hunt, you, you know, you take the boat over, met him on the Island and, uh, met Ben and his crew over there, which they're absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, I've never been on a, on a guided hunt. And I'm like, this is going to be a strange one for me. Right. I mean, there's a, there's nothing wrong with guided hunts, but there's a perception and, uh, you know, we're talking and he's sorry, well, this is your guide. And, Tom's our guide and me and Tom are shooting. And I'm like, look, dude, I ain't never been on a guided hunt. Can I kind of just do my thing? Like I know how to handle my weapon. I know how to kill deer. And, you know, as the day went on, he was like, yeah, I think we're good with that, man. Um, especially after our range time and man, Catalina, the, the, the caliber of deer on that little Island is just unbelievable. And I mean, you're, it's kind of, you're, you're pretty much road hunting, right? You're, you're getting out. Yeah. Um, and it's craggy dude. And it's super steep. I mean, it's treacherous company. It's some of the hardest country I've hunted, hunted in bar none. Um, are there uh, more questions? Cause I have literally no idea, but like, are there roads around cat? You said you're basically road hunting. Oh dude. Are can, there actual roads all over the yeah, island? Oh, they're okay. all over. I mean, you're cutting and the and thing with Catalina, like I, you know, my grandma, when she was alive, when, when I was a kid, we'd go to Catalina a couple times a year and, you know, do the, you know, kind of day tourist thing. Um, I grew up fishing and, and hunting around the island or excuse me, free diving around the island Gotcha. Um, in my teen years. And it was just the, you know, just a dream, you know, backpack the island. I think I was probably nine or 10 backpack the island with my uncle. Um, and then back then they had, you know, boar on the island. So, we, you know, you see wild boar, that stuff's been eradicated um, by the time I'm there hunting mule deer. But, you know, you, it, it's one of those hunts where you can literally, be selective you know so we're driving around and i'm eagle eye and deer and i'm like oh there's a buck you know over there 1300 yards away we get up on them shooter no shooter and they'll tell you like no nah, it's not a shooter man hold off you know you're here your first day <laughs> and you're talking this is a three-day hunt right so yeah you're passing on good caliber animals on a three-day hunt it's a little bit counterintuitive to what i'm used to on public land because public land i'll shoot a dink if i only got three days dude <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah we get out man and you know there's there's uh that that deer was probably one of the darkest chocolatiest mule deer i've ever seen and he was standing on this this knob when i spotted him and i mean okay you're you're driving and it's like oh there's a buck you you know you get out and you get set up and hopefully you got him and they're pretty wired um, on that island for the most part. I mean, they don't, you know, if the bucks see you, the does aren't, you know, they're typically what a doe is. The townie bucks were monsters and they would tolerate you, right? But you get into the back country of the island where people aren't allowed to go unless you work for the conservancy um, or something that's, So you the know, guides and the hunters, right? Yeah. They're, you guys are like, okay. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're in this, you know, back country of Catalina Island. It's kind of the middle of the island. And uh, so you're basically going from the leeward side to the seaward side, you know, kind of crossing the island. And uh, we spot this buck, dude, and 
we're probably, I think we were like 430 yards and we're sitting, we're sitting pretty high up above, above them, probably 200 feet above them. And he's dogging a doe. And, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have shooting sticks. I had, uh, I had my Browning LRH, um, and it's a 26 inch barrel dude. It's a, it's a heavy ass weapon. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know why we didn't grab the sticks and I'm, I, I'm trying to offhand this giant deer. Right. And I'm like, okay, can I get prone? Can I set up on a pack? And it's just cactus everywhere, dude. And, uh, finally get a spot. We found a stick and I just rested on top of the stick above. We're in a cactus patch and, you know, 430 yards away, 200 yard or 200 feet down. And I'm looking at this, this big giant buck just stand there and he's kind of frontal to me. And, uh, Tom's going, shoot him, shoot him. And I'm like, dude, I don't have a shot. Well, half of it was Vitalakis, right? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I don't have a shot. I'm not stable. I can't shoot. And he's like, you got to shoot him. You got to shoot him. I'm like, dude, I can't shoot him. And the doe comes out. Well, he started dogging the doe. And I finally, finally got the beat on him. But he's moving, right? So as he moves, I move. The branch drops. So now I'm, you know, grabbing my weapon. I'm pulling up again. I'm like, oh, my God. And I go, you know what, dude? I'm done. I'm done. And I don't know if that was the Wyoming thing talking to me. And I was like, no, I'm not taking the shot. Right. And he looks at me and I go, dude, it's a marginal shot. I'm not taking a marginal shot. And he looked at me and he goes, are you sure? And this is, dude, this is a stud island buck. And uh, I go, yeah. And I just started walking away. And uh, I could hear him behind me. Racking, smacking, smacking, racking, smacking. <laughs> <laughs> Little Joe, Joe Pesci. Uh... <laughs> yeah. He's just back behind me. Just. <laughs> and uh, so we get back on. And I told Dennis, man, next one's yours. And Dennis goes, no, no, it's your first time here. You know, you, you take the first shot. So I was like, all right, cool. So we, you know, we get rolling up the hill, man. And I spot this buck and he's probably, I think he was 373 yards. He's in this bush patch. He's bedded. He's laying by himself. And I'm like, there he is. And, uh, and Tom goes, are you going to take that shot? Can you take that shot? Cause he's doubtful now, right? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah you, you were good at the range. You talk all this shit. <laughs> But you couldn't kill a deer at, at 400 yards. And uh go, that's it, dude. And I just jump out and I book down the hill and uh, go through this this patch of oaks and uh, took the shooting sticks and uh, <laughs> set up on the shooting sticks, man. And I put the beat on him and, and Tom runs up and he's like, man, that's a good buck. And I'm like, dude, he's dead. And he goes, is he? And I pull the trigger right as he said it, dude, that buck reared up and he just turned and he fell. And Tom goes, I think he ran. I go, that fucking deer didn't run, dude. That deer is dead. And uh, <laughs> we start packing up the hill, man, and get up to that deer. And, dude, it was like after Wyoming and then after the the doubt that I put on myself um, with that first buck, it was nice to lay. It was a nice three-by-four island buck, dude. And they're not huge body-wise, but, man, their racks, get they get awesome. I don't know which yeah. one. I think he's still at. Yeah, he's at the taxidermist. Um, but Catalina, dude, I mean, you know, people don't get it um when you talk about that island, but to get out there and and to be in that setting, like I say, with with the Pacific Ocean surrounding you on all sides, you know, and, and I like I told you before we hit the record button, to me, hunting, you know, and hunting stories are a a 
accumulation of of experiences and moments in my life and it was a real eye opener to be out on that island and and kind of live in the dream um that I had you know that I had had years before it kind of died because it was like oh it's guided I'm not going to spend you know 5 grand on this hunt and then here I am with this freaking you know with this trophy of a island buck just like this is unfreaking real man this is the best yeah. experience and after that, dude, every every October, mid-October, man, I was there with Dennis until this. This is the first year since 2018 that I didn't go. And uh <laughs> man, it said this year was some was a really, really good year on that island with some of the bucks that I saw um, you know, on social and whatnot. When when Ben yeah. and his guys at Wild uh Wildlife West, if you guys are interested and in listening, it's Wildlife West, um, uh, Ben on Instagram but they laid some beautiful animals down this year, man. I got to ask. So I know that you like archery is your passion and you went in with a rifle. So is that just Catalina? Like that's people pay yeah. money. So you're like, Hey, I'm paying five grand. I'm going to put something down. Yeah. Um, or is that, or is like, just people don't archery hunter. Or what's, well, what's the case there? So Ben and I have had this conversation. Uh, Cause over the years I, you know, I'm like, man, I want to archery hunt it. I want to archery hunt it. And last year, he was like, yeah, you want to archery hunt it? Just, you know, come on, buddy. Um, you know, what he he always says is archery hunters are, uh, they think they're a lot better than they actually are. Um, and the island, again, the terrain is is treacherous. It is rough, rough terrain. So if you're not putting a good shot on, um, you have three days to get it done. You know, so you don't have a ton of opportunity um, to get out and blow stalks and and stuff like that. And then, you know, you get into some of that steep country, you look at it and you're like, holy hell, you know, I'm not going down there. I'm not yeah. shooting anything down that. I mean, you're talking, you know, <laughs> steep, steep, cliffy, nasty, full of cactus. I mean, cactus patch after cactus patches. It's no joke hunting that island terrain wise. So it's primarily because most archery hunters aren't up to par with that island and the amount yeah. of time that that they're going to have to put into you know you just retrieving an uh, animal that makes it down one of them holes gotcha is is 3 days a uh a factor on the tag or is that because of the guide the guide's like you got 3 days unless you wanted to do more than 3 days yeah so they they run them they run i think he added on a day too i think it's 3 and a half well excuse me i don't half day i think it's 3 and a half now um yeah. but yeah it's the tag is good for the season so they the way that they split it is your you have your basically your guided season and then after the guided season it goes into resident season. So folks gotcha. that live on the island can hunt and then they can have you know you could be a guest hunter to a resident on the island. Can you uh, hunt buffalo? There's so many questions. No, no. buffalo are just free roaming. Safe. Yeah, they're just free roaming, and then it's kind of unfortunate, you know, when they put them on there, they they try to control the birth rate. And the males were inoculated um, with something that was supposed to slow down their testosterone production. And it just basically shriveled their nuts up. Um, so they're not, you know, they're not reproducing naturally. Um, but it's super cool to be around those animals. It's still a buff, right? I yeah. mean, excuse me, it's a bison. Um, I don't want to get bison, in trouble bison. for saying buffalo. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's super I went cool to the to University of Colorado, so I'm all about buffaloes, man. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, they're they're you got your mule deer, you got your bison buffalo, um Catalina Island fox, 
And I think that's the only mammals kind of running around. I mean, you know, field mice, small rodents and stuff like that, yeah. but that's it. Now. There's always squirrels. There's always squirrels making noise. You know, dude, I don't think I ever saw a squirrel on that island. Wow. I All can't right. remember seeing a squirrel on there. And they don't they think that the that the island fox was brought over by uh natives um that were using the island, you know, however many, you know, hundreds of years ago that they were actually pets. Um and huh. it's a cool looking little fox, man. It's red, red, gray with you know hints of brown and hints of black in them, but they're super, yeah. I mean, they're I don't know. The biggest one I saw may have 18 inches long and less oh, the shit. tail. Um, I'm gonna some googling after this. This yeah, I'll do their. I got got no knowledge about Catalina Island other than they have a wine mixer. Like that's it. Yeah, that was. (laughs) I actually think that that's a real thing, but that's what you know. My buddies, they're like, "Oh, you're going on the Catalina wine mixer hunt," and I'm like, "Yeah, screw you guys. Uh, You're just jealous." (laughs) Yeah, but it dude, it is a nice mule deer every year. Yeah, it it is a phenomenal place to hunt, dude. It is. uh, I mean, it's it. I'm going to liken it to my elk experiences, right? In in terms of the revelations and then just the beauty that you're surrounded with when you're, you know, when you're out there and it's a foggy, foggy morning and you're sitting on a cliff and looking straight down to the ocean and you're 2000 foot above it and the waves are crashing on the cliff below you. I mean, you're just in awe of his majesty again, right? Of that creation. And it's like, I liken that to getting, you know, getting out into the flat tops and you know running around and looking at what do we have in the flat tops in 34 like 200 lakes or something like that it's crazy right yeah but the beauty of it and the majesty of it is just impeccable man that's cool have you ever uh have you ever hunted hawaii no i want to do that my buddy armando um yeah with the bow hitch he went out it was last year no year before he Have went. you heard his story? He told it on our podcast, like episode six. Did he? Oh, dude, when yeah. I was I was texting back and forth with him um, when he was there, dude. And I think he might have he might have told that say he look at he cheated both of us. He told the same know, damn right? story on both podcasts. That's the problem That's with right. podcasts, though. <laughs> it's the same ten guys with the same ten damn stories over and over. Yeah, yeah, we only got ten friends, right? Um, but yeah, man, when he when he goes to the airport and he actually is a day early, like man. Armando, man, that's Armando. <laughs> but yeah, he. I actually, my so my daughter after college, she moved over there. She came home for a few months and then said, "I'm moving to Hawaii." And she moved, and then she was trying to get the wife and I over. And I don't like flying. I don't like tropics. I like mountains. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I told my wife, "Well, I'll go if I can hunt for three or four days." And then uh, 2020 hit, and it just killed all my hopes and dreams of getting over there <laughs> yeah, yeah i think i had a trip planned for hawaii as well not for hunting just to go yeah um yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking into hunting there at some point I, I wanted to go for my 40th birthday which is coming up in a few years but my birthday's in april and apparently there's the hunting's really more towards july so it's like mm-hmm. they were like well we can maybe get you a buck and i was like that's not really what i'm looking for for like a 40th birthday hunt so well yeah maybe it's rough when you spend that kind of money though yeah, yeah. Well, they said they give me a buck, but he may or may not have antlers. They're maybe in velvet, maybe not, but they're not full grown at that point. So I was like, all right, I'll figure something else out. Um, Those suckers are on, supposed to be the wiry. List. Yeah, they're they're wiry, man. That's what everybody says, and they're fast. Yep, yep. I've hunted them in Texas a couple times, and what I mean is, I've sat in a place where they occasionally show up and never seen one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but someday, 
Axis deer is real high on my list. I know that when I was hunting uh, Axis deer, the the gentleman who was letting me hunt his land was just sitting at his house, and one walked by and he dropped it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've eaten uh, I've eaten Axis deer. It's delicious. Uh, like on par with elk. My wife actually prefers Axis deer to elk. Yeah. Just and they're beautiful, beautiful deer. Oh yeah, they're cool. But uh, deer, yeah, man. he was just sitting there hanging out, waiting for me to come back at the end of the day and put a couple down <laughs> there, there it is well that's texas for you man when we were going down when i was taking my boy uh you know we get the occasional exotic and i um was hunting on a, a friend's property and he had 3200 acres man They're like i don't know fourth fifth sixth generation wow. ranchers and uh the black bucks would come through the property every now and again and uh you want to talk about a cool little animal I never saw the axis, but those black bucks, dude, I love those things. They are cool. Yeah. I have a buddy in, who has uh, access to some pretty cool land, and he was hunting Audad. Mm-hmm. And he was out there, I mean, I want to say late October, and he heard elk bugling. So th- they're out there, too. They're, dude, <laughs> and they're know, considered exotics. I was so, going to say, you go no West Texas, yeah, there's some public land haunts that have them. They're holding, and it's it's you know open game all year yeah. round. That's right. That's right. I think the more people that hear about that, the less elk are going to be uh, rearing their heads in Texas, though. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a crazy ass animal to find yourself loose in Texas. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. <laughs> All right, guy. Well, dude, man, those are great stories. I don't know if I've had so many questions before. Usually I just listen and have my job drop, but I, I have so many questions about some very unique experiences. Um, which you've given us plenty. Do you have any other stories you wanted to tell or, or are we going to wrap it right? Man, here I'm a horrible time, storyteller, bro. I just, like I, I said, it's, a, it's in aggregate for me, man. I, you know, the, the, the thing that stands out for me in, in, in hunting stories are those moments where I can reconcile with myself. Right. And, and yeah, it's my opinion, right. That we don't focus enough on the human side of it. Right. And, and it's cool to hear a guy's stories, but it's like, man, I want to hear the revelations, dude. I want to hear what you learned about you. And that's, I don't want to bore people with that. Right. But, you know, like I said early Please on, it, it's, it's made me a, a better man. Right. And, and sometimes it's to my detriment when I'm on the mountain. Cause it's like, Oh damn, look at that. Can I climb it? You know what I mean? And it's like, you're supposed to be chasing elk, you idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> this past I'll just throw this in there real quick. This past season, I was kind of struggling. And, I, man, I don't know how long I had been out at this point. You know, I spend the entire month of September on the mountain um, for the most part, unless the wife wants me to come down, especially being here in Colorado now. And I'm out. And Your anniversary is in the middle of September, isn't it? It's, it's in the beginning didn't think, of September. Didn't think, didn't think that through. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't chasing elk at the time. Um, yeah. My daughter's birthday is October 1st. And, uh, I was like, like, please don't come early, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, because you you even get that first rival season. Yeah, <laughs> you miss it. You, you're lucky by a week. Um, actually, this year was the first the first year we were up chasing elk. We were in animals, and I looked at my my neighbor went with me, and uh, I'm like, dude, tomorrow's my anniversary. I'm going home, and he was like, huh? And I go, this is the first time in five years that I'm able to go spend my anniversary with my wife, right? Like I have this opportunity. I ain't screwing this one up. <laughs> you got a good wife, man. You got a good wife. And uh, 
boogied down the she's the best dude boogied down the mountain and and had our anniversary and spent a couple of days at home and then went back up um but no i was what i was gonna say is i was out and i was kind of getting my butt kicked i might have been out for 16 17 days at this point and getting my butt kicked man and you know open uh open season with muzzle loaders dude and uh over the counter year it was horrible and i'm I, just trying I, to I guess, i've told you sorry to interrupt man but no, no I've, i'm relatively new to archery like three seasons right now and i've not yet overlapped with muzzle loaders because that's scary it's I, I just don't know if i'm quite comfortable there i'm don't wondering be. if they're gonna change anything like that man it's yeah, like, yeah it makes me nervous it, it should from what i've seen the last two years it should make you really really freaking nervous and that's the reason i was looking for another area and uh I'm rolling around. I got the side by side. I'm on the flat tops, right? So it's roaded like crazy. And you really gotta, you gotta try your damnedest to get away from the beaten path. And I found this, I, I found this uh little hillside and I look at it and I go, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going. And and it was more about the climb than anything. I mean, you're talking like, I don't know, I think I was at 8,900, 87 or 8,900, and it went up to eleven four. And uh, weather Ooh. was crap. So I was kind of prepared for the weather and uh kick my butt man two and a half hours i get to the top and i'm like whoo this is beautiful nothing but mule deer and i uh, said i'm gonna <laughs> go course. drop uh -huh. i'm gonna go drop over this other side and kind of take it down and and you know bust down in some elevation and see what i can get into in the uh in the trees here and as i'm going across my phone dings For whatever reason wasn't on vibrate i'm like oh i got a signal and uh i call my wife right i'm like oh i'm calling mama and uh, <laughs> I call exactly her. Exactly what I do. As yeah, soon as I, I know I got reception, feel that buzz but, on the hip. Yeah. Just hey, hey, Donna. Try to FaceTime the kids, whatever. But yeah, oh, it continue. wasn't that much Sorry. signal. I I called <laughs> her and she's like, "What do you need? I'm at work." And I was like, "F you!" And I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I love you, F you!" And I hung up. And I was like, "Dang, that sucks." So I was like, "Oh." Joe, what are you doing, buddy? I go, I just climbed up, you know, 2,000 feet looking for bulls, man. I'm getting my butt kicked. And I look over and I'm like, and I'm about to get swamped with weather right now. And there's this wall of water coming at me, dude. <laughs> and I'm like two, two and a half hours up this freaking mountainside. And I'm looking at this wall of water and I'm like, holy crap, I'm about to get pounded. And uh, sitting there, I was talking to Joe and we're laughing going, and he's like, why the hell are you calling me? I'm like, dude, I needed somebody to call to brighten me up. I'm lonely. I'm talking to myself more than chasing bulls at this point. And I just climbed this freaking mountain. And uh, right as we're talking, I'm like, bro, I got to go. And the next I don't know, 10, 20 seconds, dude, I mean, I'm just, it's dumping. It is dumping. Yeah. So two, two and a half hours up to get up there, have a 10 minute conversation and a, I love you, F you hang up. And then turn around and come down <laughs> soaking wet, man, to run back to camp. Um, but it's just, I don't know, man, like I, that, that kind of seems like a tangent, but it's just experiences, dude. Like, yeah. I think we need to hold on to them. Um, you know, we, we kind of, as hunters, we live in an echo chamber. Um, and then you, you get caught up in life and the rat race, whatever that looks like for the individual and you're, going 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 whether that's to provide for a family or to, you know to pay the house note or that you know bitch and truck you got and we forget man that there's so much more to it um and then just the connection that we get out on the mountain with god man is just 
it's a heaven send, man. And we don't, I don't know that we pay enough attention to it. So like I said, just, you know, kind of a, kind of a hell of a tangent from the story, but, um, I just, you know, I feel it's important to, to say that, man, you know, we gotta, we gotta stay grounded and it's, you know, it's ingrained in us, you know, well, not all of us, some of us are gatherers, but you know, that's something that we've had in our DNA for, for eons. My dog just busted in. Thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> you know, we've had it ingrained in yeah, us man. and we don't, we don't live that experience enough because we're worried about notching that tag and how big the antlers are. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's, I think that's exactly how I feel. I, uh, I say it all the time. I'm not a very good hunter, but that doesn't mean that I don't have an amazing time every time I go out there. Yeah. But what's, what's a good hunter? That's my point. What's a good hunter. Okay. You know what I mean? Great, great question. Yeah. I'm not a, uh, I don't harvest often. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'll say. I get out there and I, and I put in the miles and I don't care. Like I'm just having a great time this year. I think I mentioned it to you um, at some point, but I jacked up my back. I missed the entire elk season this year because I fell and, and compressed a disc in my back. But I'll tell you the the like two and a half days that I was on the mountains was like the happiest I've been all year long. Mm-hmm. And I bring that home. Like my wife goes, you know, yeah, before you, you know, you, 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 I love who you are. I love the man you are. But since you become a hunter, like you come home with something extra. Yes. I don't know what it is. And uh and, and like, I just have an extra passion for everything else around me. Yeah. Um, whether it's yeah, when I come home and I like, I feel that and I, and I push that upon my family or whether it's, you know, the day after ending season and I'm not, or whenever it is, and I'm building up for the next season, I'm making mm-hmm. myself a better person because it's just such a great thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think it falls in line with like what you're saying. And yeah. it's, uh, you get to work out your shit, right? I mean, you get to take yeah. everything that whatever that burden is. And you just, you forget about it. You It's like the factory reboot. You know what I yeah. mean? It's gone. All the garbage is gone. If you're now, some people may take it up with them and bring them back down. Uh, then I apologize. And you're probably missing some of what is offered out there to us. Yeah. And you know what? And I don't think it's exclusive to Western hunting. Uh, no, I've done some blind not. hunting and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's often about the pushing yourself, mm-hmm. but it's also about just like thinking, right? Having no one there no phone no tv no no other people just like you and your thoughts is that's uh, it. and that's something that's not it's not common right in today's society no and then the, the, there's a part of being involved in the circle of life that even amplifies that more cuz i can go absolutely take if only i could kill out. something i'd agree with you but yeah <laughs> you're still involved <laughs> in it bro you're not you're not look seeing you know what i mean yeah. you're not a leaf yeah. Um, but there's, I think there's something about being involved in that circle and that pursuit and that it, it, it amplifies it, but it also, for me, it's a reminder of how small and minuscule I am. So I have these big compounding problems, you know, four months out of the year, I don't even think of life that way anymore. Right. But that's how yeah. I looked at it prior to it. And you have all this stuff that you feel like is heavy on your shoulder and you get out there and you realize like, I ain't shit. Neither are my problems. Like I'm amplifying something that doesn't need to be amplified. You know, this is what it's about right here. You know, being in nature, spending time when my wife goes out or my kids go out. It's just amazing, man. I've been trying to yeah. get my daughter out because I want her to experience that part. She's, she is, she'll kick any, most dudes ass on the mountain. Like she's hiked <laughs> all the peaks in Hawaii. She went out and she by herself soloed those peaks. Um, that's cool she's a freaking stud and i'm and that's what i keep trying to tell her like 
you know, get out there with me. You don't have to kill anything. Just come out and experience that. It's a different perspective on everything. I agree. I hey, agree 100%. It's your shit. I'm trying to train my pup to be a shed dog. Uh, <laughs> I actually, that's the, I have a, I want to get a dog. I don't have one now, but I tell my wife, I like, I want a, a blood tracking or a shed hound. Like yeah. that's, that's all I'm looking for. I don't need a duck bird dog. I don't need any of that. Just yeah, find this, me some sheds. This guy is, he has a pretty strong prey drive. He's American bulldog. Um, and he's taken a liking to some of the sheds around the house. So yeah. I'm like, ah, okay. My wife loves sheds. I ain't really a shed hunter. Uh, my wife loves them, so he's going to be a shed dog by this spring. There you go. Bulldog would be hard to get over some of that blo- that blowdown, though, them little legs. No, he's an American bulldog. He's a... Oh, all right. Yeah, they're, uh, he'll be about 115 pounds, stand probably hmm. 22, 23 inches. So they're not, nice. uh, they're not okay. English bulldogs. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool guy. Well, man, this was fun. This was fun. I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I think, I think we got the point across tonight. This was a good one. This Ooh, one, man. this, this episode wasn't just about telling fun stories. This one felt good. So thank you, man. Appreciate I, that, I man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, hope I didn't bore, uh, bore your listeners too much, man. Yeah, I'm sure not. I'm sure <laughs> you did not. I'm sure you did not, but let's, let's tell the people where they can find you. Tell them a little bit about your podcast. Anything else you maybe want to mention? Yeah. We'll, uh, wrap, we'll wrap this shit up. Cool. Western contours. Uh, listen to it just about any platform. Um, you know, I try, I try my damnedest to not focus on, solely on elk, although I fail at that uh, pretty bad most times. Uh, <laughs> and I try not to live in our echo chamber. Um, and I really want to have an impact on, you know, outside of our demographic, but also showing the human side of, of hunting um, as well as offering, you know, the expert voices. So, you know, it's kind of all over. It's primarily focused on Western hunting. Um, but I'll just, I'll talk to anybody I could have a good conversation with like you, bro. Um, yeah. but Western contours on Instagram guy underscore Western contours is kind of my personal uh, <laughs> Instagram. I'm lazy <laughs> as hell lately on Instagram. I, I, I've been struggling with the whole social media thing with all this crap going on and how they, you know, they kind of squelch our voice and everything. Um, also, uh, own Western fly covers, um, pack flies, bino harness flies, got some rain flies coming out, uh, ponchos and, and scope covers and whatnot. So um, that's Western fly covers on Instagram, Western fly covers, LLC, I believe it is on Instagram and pretty much wherever podcast are being delivered. I'm on carbon TV uh, signed with them in September. So I'm on the carbon platform, which is awesome. a really cool platform for, you know, outdoor enthusiasts of all kind, be a fisherman or just hikers and hunters and, cool platform to be a part of so happy to be there but yeah that's where uh that's where i'm at man i appreciate awesome, the opportunity buddy. to get on and shoot the shit for a little bit yeah this was fun this was fun i have one final request and that is next year like late october when you do that podcast with jermaine hodge and you guys are just firing each other up just let me be a fly in the wall Come that's on. all i want yeah let's get <laughs> it man let's I, get I it. can't remember enjoying like just the intro to a podcast more in my life than you and jermaine just be like are you ready, are you ready? <laughs> yeah <laughs> what? what so man guy this is great man thank you so much i appreciate it all the stuff you just mentioned i'm gonna put show uh notes or i'm gonna put a link to all of those things in the show notes so people thank can you, find that stuff uh and yeah man i'm sure i'm sure i'll i'll see you around and absolutely i, I wouldn't man. be surprised if i have you back on sometime once you've made a few more stories for us cool bro i appreciate the opportunity again thank you so much yeah thank you yeah i appreciate it yeah but 
All right, guys, that's it. Another couple stories in the books. I want to thank guys so much for jumping on the podcast. I had a lot of fun talking to him. He actually inspired me personally to get my son out into the woods sooner. Um, and since I even actually got my nephew who had never been hunting out in the woods, which I'll tell you right now, it was difficult. That's all there is to it, taking a 13-year-old on his first hunt, uh, getting him to stop talking, um, quit dragging his feet, all those things. So I'm learning, and I'm going to introduce a couple of young men in my life, and maybe even some young women if they're interested, um, to hunting. So, Guy, thank you for that. But, of course, thank you for telling your stories. Now, guys, get out there and, and, and follow Guy. Check out his podcast. Check him out on Instagram. I've put links to everything in the show notes. Everything you need to know is right there. Um, and then beyond that, make sure you follow us on Instagram at huntingstories underscore official. Again, link in the show notes. And uh, your homework. Share this podcast with one other hunter, and hopefully they enjoy some good stories. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I do appreciate you. Uh, Guy, again, thank you. Now, guys, get out there and make some stories of your own. Thank you.